If you haven't already watched the Sunday School video for this week, make sure to check it out after you watch this one. You can find a link to it in the description of this video below. Also, this week, it's going to be on Abraham and also the promises that God made to Abraham. And we know that God is always true to whatever he says. So let's take a look at that together in our Sunday School video. Yeah. 
Notice that Jesus oftentimes will say things in the Gospels, and he just expects people to understand what he's talking about and expect them to, to remember those things as well. You know, sometimes Jesus, he just says things, and he expects us to know them. He expects us to remember them. You know, for, for example, one of the things that, that we kind of see in the scriptures that's, that's kind of interesting to me is, you know, sometimes try to, to find one passage that tells us everything that we have to do to become a Christian. You know, you, you don't find this one passage in the Bible that tells you, okay, well, you have to do this, and then you have to do this. You know, it's not some checklist thing, really. That's not how Jesus, that's not how his preaching works. That's not how becoming a Christian, becoming a follower of Jesus works either. Because what we do see in the Bible is we see dozens of examples of where people followed Christ and where they became Christians, and we see what they did in order to become Christians. And another thing that really Jesus kind of expects us to do is he expects us to share our story with people around us. Because whenever you share your story about how you became a Christian with people around you, then guess what? They're going to realize, if they're not a Christian already, they're going to realize, look, I need to do something about this too. And for them becoming a Christian, it makes sense. And, and it will uh, it will all, you know, fit out whenever you try to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You'll understand these things because you, you're following him. So in John chapter 14, this is one of these occasions, actually in John's gospel, that uh, even though we're just barely past the, the middle point of the book, we're kind of at the end of Jesus's life. And Jesus is actually taking this time in uh, John chapter 14, that these are some of the last things that Jesus leaves his people with, that he kind of tells his disciples before he goes. He knows that his time is limited, and he has a few more things that he wants to share with them. And that's where we're going to look in John chapter 14, and we're going to see this wonderful I am statement that Jesus makes, where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. But as we look at that statement, I, I don't want us to just look at the fact that Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, tonight, and in that video, you know, we're going to kind of look at each one of these things a little bit more and, and see, well, what does it mean that Jesus is the way? What does it mean that he is the truth? And what does it mean that he is the life? And we're going to look at different passages. But this morning, what I want us to do is to look at where the original saying comes from when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And whenever we look in John 14 in this passage, we will find at least three statements that Jesus makes that he just assumes his disciples are going to, you know, he expects them to understand them and he expects them to, to recognize what's going on. So let's look at these statements together. 
John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. And within these four verses, we come in contact with the first statement that I want us to see. We actually don't get to that statement until verse 4, but I want us to start at verse 1. So let's read. This is Jesus speaking, and he says to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Now, there in verse 4, this is the first statement that I want us to see that, that Jesus, when he makes this statement, he expects his disciples to understand it. He expects them most certainly to believe it, but he expects them to understand what he's saying. And he says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Why would Jesus think that they know the way? In fact, they're going to ask in the, in the next verses, we're going to get there in a moment, but they're going to ask, you know, well, what is this way? You know, they, they have these questions about what does he mean by that? But he just made the statement, you know the way to the place where I'm going. So I guess maybe that's a good thing for us to think about. You know, do you know the way to the place where he is going? Now, of course, we know kind of the rest of the story, and we know that, that where he's actually going to end up in just a few chapters is he's going to end up on the cross. And he's going to do that because he is our Passover lamb. These are some of the things we've been kind of looking at in the, the uh, class period and also in the uh, last week and, and other uh, passages. You know, we've been seeing this sacrifice that Jesus gave his life in our place. So, yeah, where he is about to lead to is the cross. But I believe what we see here is it's more than just to the cross. It does include the cross, but it's more than just the way to the cross. Because from the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, he started talking about this way. And this way is just this, this pathway, this way of life that all followers of Christ are called to live. And it's the same way that Jesus walked. Sometimes Jesus said statements that are just kind of different. They're contrary to what we want to do, you know, and he tells us that we need to love our enemies. He tells us that we need to, to not only just not mistreat our enemies, but to love our enemies, to care for them and to show kindness uh, in certain situations, you know, to those people. And he does so many things like that, that goes against what we naturally want to do. And he did that too. You know, he was, he practiced what he preached. Whenever he taught us to do things, he gave us examples of them. So yes, I believe that when Jesus made the statement, you know the way to the place where I'm going, what he was talking about was, you know the way because we've been on this way together. We've been on this journey together. That's what Jesus was saying to his, his close disciples. He was bringing them in and getting them to realize this has all been a lesson. And the way, of course, is Jesus. The way is following Jesus. And this is actually where we're going to come in contact with this, this famous passage. So uh, the first statement that Jesus makes, you know the way to the place where I'm going. But the conversation continues. In verse four, you know the way to the place where I'm going. But now look at their response. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay, so first let's kind of continue on with this, 
this statement here in verse 4. And that's why I had it in the previous slide and this slide. It's so that we can remember that he says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Okay, so Thomas is the one who he speaks up in this, in this occasion. And he just says, you know, how can we know the way? I mean, how, how are we supposed to know the way? Jesus is already just expecting them to recognize this. And then Jesus gives us this wonderful I am statement that we're looking at here. I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, I mean, that's, that's a, very, it's a very concrete response that Jesus gives. And in fact, it's a, it's a very much, uh, very firm, uh, very much this is the way that it is. And, you know, many of those things, I, I've kind of been saying it a few different ways, but many of those things, it kind of goes against what we are hearing a lot of times in our culture. Because, you know, our culture is trying to get to where we are very, uh, very willing to accept all these these different ways of life and, you know, ways of living your life. But what Jesus says is, I am the way and the truth and the life. But he doesn't just end it right there. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And we've already been looking at that. Some of these other things that Jesus has made, you know, whenever he says that I'm the door, you know, you've got to go through him. Okay, we've already seen this. Uh, or I am the gate. You've got to go through me. Jesus has already been making these statements that there is no other way except the way of Christ. This is the only way that is going to lead to truth. This is the only way that is going to lead to life. And sometimes that's not the most... Uh, you know, that's not the most uh, kind of happy thought that people want to think about, you know, if, if they're not following Christ right now. Sometimes people don't want to hear that. But you know what? Also, if somebody just really thinks that two plus two equals five, sometimes they don't want to hear the truth that really two plus two, it equals four. You can't change the fact that that is the truth because it, it is the truth. Two plus two, it equals four. It's always going to equal four. And the only way to go to God, to be there and to be able to come to the Father is through Jesus Christ, because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Some people don't always want to hear that, but it still is the truth. It's the only way that we can get to the life. It's the only pathway in which we can see this life. So Jesus is this way. He is the only way. Now, the second statement that we're going to look at here in verse 7, he makes this very interesting statement that he just kind of expects them to know this. The last part of verse 7, he says, from now on, you do know him, talking about my father. So you do know my father and have seen him. They have seen God. They have their questions about this one. Let's look at that together. Verses 7 through 11 now. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So now here in this passage, in verse 7, this second statement that Jesus makes that he just expects us to know is, from now on you will know my Father and you have seen him. They want to know, they want to see the Father, for starters. 
I mean, this is a big deal to people who who've grown up, you know, being a, a Jew all of their life and and having to go to the temple to get closer to God, you know, and and to to see um, to to know that His glory has filled that temple in times past, and to long to be able to see God one day. And Philip just says, "Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us." And Jesus explains what He was saying that they will know the Father and that they have seen the Father. And the truth is that Jesus is the Father. I mean, the way that he says it is that, you know, I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. He says that in verse 10. Uh, but then also he says it in verse 9 that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you are someone who really wants to see God, who really wants to see the Father, and I've kind of said it this way before, if you are someone who wants to find out what God would do in almost any given situation, read the Gospels, any one of them, and you'll find different occasions where Jesus responds in this way or that way with, with certain people. Um, and what you find there is you find how God, our Heavenly Father, would interact with them. You know, what he would say to them, how he would treat them. It's exactly how Jesus Christ did it, because anyone who has seen Jesus Christ has seen the Father. And yeah, we can't even necessarily see Jesus Christ with our own eyes, but we can see him by reading about the actions of what he did. We know that the testimony of the scripture is true. We know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all give us a very accurate description of what Jesus did whenever he was here on this earth. So the truth is that whenever we see Jesus Christ through the pages of the scripture, we have seen the Father and we can know how the Father would act what he would do and how he would be. We have every reason to believe this truth about Jesus Christ. So the first statement was about knowing the way. They knew it, even though they didn't know that they knew it. And then the second statement is about how that they were going to know the Father and that they've seen him. And the way that they've done that is by seeing Jesus Christ. Now the third statement that we're going to look at comes up next. And, and by the way, the first two statements, there was a question. You know, in verse four, it's followed with a question by one of the disciples. Well, what do you mean by this, Jesus? That second question right here in verse eight, you know, verse seven was was the statement. But in verse eight, that's where a question comes. Well, what do you mean by this? Now, it's interesting to me that the third statement that Jesus makes, we don't get a question. But I'm going to be honest with you. I guess maybe John did this on purpose whenever he was writing it, that I have a question about it. You know, I kind of wonder, well, what do you mean by this, Jesus? So let's take a look at that together. Verses 12 through 14. This is where I believe that we see uh, this, this third statement that Jesus just assumes that we're going to understand what he means. Verses 12 through 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. See, what's amazing to me is this here in verse 12, that Jesus makes this very bold statement, very, very bold statement. You know, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. Okay, that one, I kind of get that, because we're supposed to be like Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be following him. But what about the second half of this verse? And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Now, to me, I kind of almost feel like there's a question that's missing right here because, you know, why don't we have Peter or somebody else 
asking, well, Jesus, what do you mean by that? It's amazing to me that, that they didn't understand those other two things. You know, they didn't understand whenever Jesus says, well, you know the way and you know the Father. They had questions about those. But whenever he makes this, this interesting statement that his disciples are going to do greater things than what he did because he's going to the Father, they don't ask anything. Apparently, they didn't ask something. But, you know, I've got a question about that. What did he mean by that? What did he mean that we were going to do greater things? You know, that those disciples, you know, I believe that includes us, too. You know, that, that we are going to be doing greater things than Jesus himself. I mean, when I read the Gospels and I see all the things that he did, I look at that and I think, well, I can't do those things. I mean, there's no way that I can do those things. But yet I believe there is a way in which we can understand what Jesus is saying here. One of the things he does hint at is because he is going to the Father. We see a few chapters after this, he does go to be with the Father. But the disciples remain on the earth. And you know what the disciples do? They continue to live the way of Christ. And they continue to have great influence throughout the, well, throughout the whole, uh, the whole, throughout the whole world and throughout the church. And you know, when you look at Jesus and all the places that he uh, walked and the people that he interacted with, it was actually a small portion of land that Jesus really went to. But when we turn to the pages of the book of Acts, we find out that they went everywhere throughout the whole world. So whenever we look at this, we see that the, the life that Christ is calling us to live, it's that life that started in the book of Acts, the life of the church. In Acts chapter 2, we see where, where the church begins. And then we see that it just continues to go on and continues to spread. And we find out about all these these examples of people who are becoming Christians, who are following the way of Jesus Christ. And we start to see that, you know, I don't believe Jesus was saying that we're going to do, you know, more grand things than what Jesus did. Because I, I don't really think that the miracles you read about in the book of Acts are more grand than the miracles that Jesus did. But yet, I do think the way that it makes sense is Jesus, he went to the Father. But yet, all of the disciples as the body of Christ and all the believers as the body of Christ, they were continued to doing, uh, continuing to do what Jesus Christ did on the earth. They were continuing to do these great deeds throughout the whole world, not just in a small region, but throughout the whole world. In fact, that's kind of something that frames the entire book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus is speaking to his his uh, apostles there, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, that's a pretty good outline for what we see that happens in the book of Acts. The church starts in Jerusalem, it expands to all Judea and Samaria, and then it expands to the ends of the earth. So much so that at the very end of the book of Acts, we read in Acts chapter 28, verse 31, that Paul the apostle he proclaimed the kingdom of God in Rome and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This gospel of the kingdom of God and this news about our Lord Jesus Christ, it reached Rome. If it could reach Rome during that day, it could reach anywhere on the face of the earth. So what about today? Are we still living this life that Christ has called us to live? He says he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. The way is following Jesus Christ. The truth is that, that Jesus is the Father and that he shows us the way to the Father. And the life that he calls us to live is what we can read about in the book of Acts. And hopefully, 
it's still the life that we are continuing, the examples that we are continuing to live today and to live out the way of Jesus Christ and following him. That's what he's called us to do. Let's answer that call with boldness, without hindrance. Let's go proclaim this wonderful message about this kingdom of God throughout the world during our day. Ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord, I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the bridegroom comes, will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Master comes today, will I be in or cast away? And will he find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose delay, will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day.